0: Hi, this is Dave Pryor for Projects at Work. Today, I've got Pariksit Basroor with me, um, and he's on the other side of the planet. It's very early in the day. So, Pariksit, thank you for getting up so early for this conversation.
1: Thanks, Dave. Good to be
0: here. All right. So, we're going to spend a lot of time during the podcast talking about transformation and the playbook that you come up with. But before we get into that, if you could give kind of a brief summary of your background, your involvement with PMI, and what your journey was like.
1: Okay. Excellent so i come from a consulting career where i've worked in supply chain and uh, manufacturing before i got into application software i was back in Auckland in New Zealand when i started my career working for a supply chain consulting company it's there when i came across agile not in application software but more so in terms of manufacturing distribution Lean Six Sigma i got to know a lot of the fundamental stuff like um, you know, the Toyota production system can ban those items and um, really ground myself in those methodologies before I went into application software.
0: So you're somebody who comes from a background that's deeply steeped in sort of manufacturing and lean practices. You're working in Agile. You've got, you know, obviously a lot of experience with traditional project management. The, one of the questions that I want to ask you is, a lot of folks, myself included, who move from waterfall into the agile side of the house go through a pretty excruciating amount of cognitive dissonance. And I'm wondering if because you already had experience with the lean practices, if that transition for you personally was less difficult than, than you know than what you see in other people.
1: No, it wasn't. I mean, I'm reflecting upon this while I'm having this conversation and I've experienced the cognitive dissonance myself when I first moved from what you would say as a traditional way of working to a more agile way of working. What is different, though, is how I was able to manage that, um, you know, that situation. It, it did take me a bit of time to reflect upon and wonder why it was that way. And since then, it became much easier. And, and in hindsight, I think I found why it was because I had to let go of my previous worldview, you know, the, the worldview of actually being in control. And um, after now having been in this for about a decade, I realized that it's a lot more natural transitioning into this way of working.
0: Okay. All right. So you didn't kind of go through the struggle of having to let go of all your PMP tools, which they could have when they pried them out of your cold dead hands. I and mean, you were, what that that part of it wasn't so bad.
1: I think that's a great question. So, I just want to take a pause and you know take a step back because a lot of conversations I have, I feel we've got to really reframe what agile means, right? So traditional project management existed for a purpose. It had a very good sense of purpose. And that was because the type of products and projects and services and goods we were delivering to our customers required that type of a framework. If you think about 15, 20 years ago, a lot of the work that we were doing was mainframe large-scale systems, enterprise systems. We did not have the platforms for agility we have today. We didn't have smart devices. We didn't have digital platforms. We didn't have, um, you know, industrial strength Wi-Fi that we have right now. So decades ago, what became the norm was looking at more Structured frameworks, and in those days, that was what required. Now, if you flash forward, think about the devices today, you've got a lot more flexibility in developing the same capabilities for customers. That's why it's different. And I have these conversations a lot in my university with my students, and I keep telling them that it's not A or B, it's a means to an end, right? It's horses for courses. So, we do need. More structured, traditional approaches towards um, what I call products and services when it's required. Um, I was having a conversation last week or coffee, and um, you know, we said you can't build a submarine or a satellite in a completely agile way. You know, you could build it in an iterative way, but it still needs some structured processes. To I think I think it's a it's a case of reframing agile. It's not a one size fits all.
0: Okay, so you're an advocate of, I mean, part of your the argument that you're making, I'm totally in sync with, in, in that they're all just tools and practices, different ways to get work done. And the idea of agility being one that I would say is more about um, celebrating humans and giving them the opportunity to be creative and come up with good decisions. And we do that with fast feedback loops and things like that, uh, where a lot of the traditional tools, that's a much slower loop. And and a lot more about kind of maximizing our use of resources, which would include people in that context.
1: I think I think it's like I said earlier. You know, it's it's a distinction between being and doing, right? Okay. I've met a lot of project managers. I work with a lot of awesome project managers who are great. Surprisingly, in the construct of literature, I find that there's a, you know, there's there's two ways. You either are waterfall or agile. I beg to differ, right? For me, Agile is about the person. For me, the Agile is about the behaviors. It's about collaboration. It's about leadership. It's about knowledge sharing. It's about um, you know giving autonomy to teams. It does not mean that you can't have this in the traditional framework. So okay. I, really, I, I really want to change, and I think that's the important thing of this conversation. If, If anything, if I'm able to change the perception that exists in the market that you can either be waterfall or agile, I think it's fundamentally broken. You're asking the wrong questions. The question we should ask is, what is the right approach for the outcome, right? And and that's what I'm talking about, reframing agile from doing to being. Agile is about not just a set of tools and processes and frameworks. It's about creating an environment where people really enjoy and they improve and they're empowered, you know, be effective at work the the framework that we have for the outcome could be something like an agile like framework or a traditional framework but we shouldn't make this um, this crossroads in you know people's mindsets you can be a or b i think that's wrong
0: okay so it's not you want to join one camp or the other it's just find the right tools and treat humans like humans and deliver work
1: absolutely because if you if you flash forward in the next 5 or 10 or 15 years i'm sure we'll come up with a new way of working you know it'll be like agile 2.0 that does not mean that what we're doing right now is wrong it just means that we're going to evolve and learn something new
0: okay so the question i want to ask you now i'd like to kind of segue into the discussion about the playbook um how does what you just described play out on an enterprise level? I mean, you do work with, you know, large companies that are going through an agile transformation, and I'm curious about how these ideas of it not being about a process when that people get so hung up on that and having it more being about humans, which, you know, a lot of organizations don't see the people who work there as humans. Um, how How do you have those conversations with the senior level people?
1: So this is the first enterprise role I had in my career after coming from a life in consulting. And in my life in consulting, I've met a lot of stakeholders and leaders who've taken on board, you know, broad enterprise transformations. So agile is one such form of enterprise transformation. You've had many before. I'm also doing my MBA now. So I'm in a management role, in a leadership role, in an organization, and doing my MBA. And whilst I'm doing my MBA, I have been struggling to come across conventional management thinking which supports agile leadership. And what I'm finding in management literature is conventional management literature is very much about managing people as resources. You know, that That's sort of where the mind space was. And there is a lot of work being done right now as we speak towards taking a non-process, non-framework approach towards transformation, which is essentially the part of the research I'm working on in my MBA. So the transformation playbook came to me when I was presenting at Agile India earlier this year. And it's nothing but a set of competencies and behavioral practices that will support people as change agents in their agile journey. So, in in essence, what I'm what I'm looking at is transitioning the the agile mindset from a series of frameworks and tools and practices to a series of being. You know, how do you how do you be competencies, practices as people and their behavior rather than something they do. So. That, that's how the transformation playbook has come about and um, um, I'm finding that the transformation playbook which I've shared at Agile India and um, the, the PMI Sydney chapter meetup last month really makes people think because we're so institutionalized from being subjective and certified to frameworks that we've not really stopped and taken a step back to just think about why we're doing it. You know, So this is reframing agile from doing to actually being and thinking about what does agile really mean for you in your role right now and in this organization
0: okay so i have a lot of questions about this and i'm going to play the skeptic if that's okay yeah absolutely all right so um there's a lot of conversation there has been for the past couple years about how people need to become agile and stop worrying about doing Agile. And, and the, the, I would describe the difference as if you're doing Agile, you're going through the practices, it, but you may not have internalized it. You may not understand or care why you're doing it. It's not really so much about, you know, adopting an Agile approach to life as it is about, you know, let's have a 15-minute stand-up and keep a burn down chart or whatever it is. Um, so they kind of miss the point on that. You come into a large organization. Now, you said this is your first enterprise transformation. How long, how long have you been there?
1: Three and a half years. I finished four years. Okay.
0: So when you said it, it kind of sounded like I just got here, but you've been working on it for years. So it's it may be your first one, but you've been at it for longer than most of us spent on transformations. Um, now, you go in, you got senior level people, and they want to know who you're going to certify, what are you going to teach them, when are the sprints start, how many points are they going to do a sprint? And you're saying, hold on, don't worry about any of that. We got to change their minds. If I'm the sea level person, I'm thinking, nope, we got to get stuff out the door. We got to ship, make them faster. Do you get that? And if you do, how do you respond to it?
1: I think I think I must share, you know, the, the biggest challenge I find right now in the industry is agile is being sold so much. And um, I was at, um, and I must mention this, I was at, Uh, a session last week Uh, we had michael sahoda come out from canada awesome
0: (laughs) so uh, michael's a friend so that's great so that must have been kind of you guys are in the same headspace on this conversation i would imagine
1: absolutely and we you know we had this conversation so i shared my transformation playbook and we had a conversation with him and and it's all about it's all about why agile right so if you, if you look at, um, you know, a, a guy called Simon Sinek, who's, um, you know, talking about why, the question of why in leadership, it's, it's very much resonant in that. So to answer your question a couple of different ways, the, the first thing is that I have always seen agile practitioners and agilists um, identify a lack of management leadership for agile to be the number one problem for agile transformations. Now, being in that role in the enterprise organization, I have not experienced that because I'm in the role. I'm not here as an agile coach or an agile practitioner. I'm in the hot seat. You're the in leadership the role, role. Leading it. Okay. How many, how many people who are listening to this or are involved in these conversations are those people? And the point I'm making is, it's very easy to sit on a fence and throw stones at something. It's harder to get off the fence, go and tackle the beast. And the only way you can tackle the beast is get into the belly of the beast. And it's not easy, you know, getting into enterprise agile organizations, having these conversations with leaders, explaining to procurement, explaining to HR, talking to finance. That's real enterprise agile. Doing scrums doing daily stand-ups is just what you do on that journey. So if you if you come back to the question you asked me, I get a lot of leaders and executives who've been sold on Agile. Yeah. And the way sold on Agile is Agile is going to get you to do things faster, cheaper, better, right? Yeah. And in, in a certain construct, yes, it is that way. But it's, it's faster, cheaper, better for who and for what? If it's not... In- <laughs> Quality yes. of your life. If it's not making the life of your, you know, of your employees, of your team members, better. If it's not changing the what I call the world of work, then why do it? You know, you you always have the option to not do anything. So, for me, when I meet individuals who are bought into Agile, the first thing I do is actually make them reflect on this, and I go, "That's great. You had an executive level selling at um, a networking meeting." That's awesome, but what does this mean for you? And why do you want to do it? Now they are not prepared for these questions because for them they are they are just like um you know they're starting the F1 car and they go right no nope, pit stops you just go go for it. And I'm going no, it takes time to build capability. Agile is not about doing things faster, better, cheaper. That's what happens in the end the first thing is you actually have to ask the question, what does this mean for you? What does this mean for your business? Why do you need to do this? And then if you come into that place from this space of creating the world and creating the future, it's not only a better place to come from a successful transformation. I personally believe that this is the only way you can come in to make a lasting difference. And the reason I say that is how many agile transformations have you heard of that start off as agile transformations, right? And that's the conversation that Michael has with um, the attendees in his conferences and uh, the agile leadership forum. Agile is a capability. You've got to define why you've got to define what's the outcome and not just outcome in terms of, you know, increasing market share or increasing customer experience. It's internal outcomes for the people in the organization. You know, it's it's got to make it's got to change the world of work. Otherwise, why do it?
0: Okay, so because it is really painful, and I guess I'm sort of questioning that sometimes too. There are clients that, you know, I ask why do you want this, and they just want it because it's cool, or they think it's going to give them some, you know, make their hair grow back in and butter their toast and do whatever else stuff for them. Um, but they're not necessarily aware of the work that they're going to have to do to get to the point where it can do that stuff for it. I mean, do you have that conversation with folks like, yeah, it'll, it'll give you everything that was promised to you, but it's going to suck for a little while first.
1: I do. And sadly speaking, you know, this is a thing I say to everyone. It's only when people have done this sort of work before, do you genuinely appreciate how hard this is, Right. And individuals who have not been involved in transformations will always look at Agile as a pill. You know, it's like a pill you swallow, have some water, yeah, it'll go out and fix things. And, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of organizations just think of Agile as something they can outsource to a vendor. So I wrote an article in the CIO magazine last month, and I spoke of three different types of approaches towards this, you know. My, my approach and my guidance always is to understand yourself. You know, you have to know yourself well enough. I'm not saying knowing yourself at some philosophical um, perspective, but really knowing your organization's capabilities. Because You're in a
0: safe space going philosophical. I mean, that's straight out of the art of war.
1: I must confess, I'm a huge fan of Sunset, and I use a lot of art of war in the work I do. The, the, the thing that you have to come into is what is your capability, right? Agile requires certain capabilities. A lot of organizations just don't have the capability to take on Agile, and they shouldn't. You know, if if you can't do it properly, don't do it. So I meet a lot of customers internally, you know, in my role, and externally as well, and they all say, you know what? PB, we're going to go to Agile, and we've got this vendor, we've got this company A, company B. We're going Agile. Awesome. I'm going. You know, there's a problem in the industry. and I talk about this um, quite often now, which um, I call the McDonald's drive-through version of Agile, and it's it's a real risk to our industry as practitioners. I'm sure you've seen a McDonald's drive-through, Dave. You know, it's, it's been um, a while, but yeah. <laughs> okay, well, well, you know, next time you go for a McDonald's drive-through, you know, think of this conversation. So it's it's a very, it's a very interesting four-step process. You know, you. You drive, you drive through, you get to McDonald's drive through, there's two lanes, you know, you get to the lane and um, there's a menu, you know, and you have everything from, um, you know, burgers to fries to shakes and everything in between. And you look at the menu and you order into that, um, into the box and say, you want this, like some burgers with some fries and some Coke. And then she'll ask you, you know, do you want to, um, do you want to upsize that? Do you want a larger size? And you go, yeah, uh, 50 cents or whatever. Go to the go to the window. You pay for it. You pick it up, and you go home, right? And you eat it. This is what I'm seeing happening in the industry, and it's really shocking. You know, the McDonald's drive-through version of agile goes something like this: Step number one, someone says we have to go agile, and it's generally someone who's in the senior management or the executives, and they're well-intentioned people. So don't get me wrong; they're well-intentioned people who want to do the right thing right and they have the buy-in from you know the, the right people do the right thing unfortunately the next step is they look out into the industry and you have a whole bunch of consulting companies and certifying bodies saying this is what agile is right so you have everything from scrum to kanban to um all the other certifications and um, then they look at the menu card and they go, okay, I'm going to get some of, um, you know, option A with option B and option C. Um, and yes, I'll upsize it. Right? So then you go in and pay and you get contractors, consultants, companies to come in start the work. And then what? You know, step four, we go, yay, yeah, you're agile, you've done agile, but hang on, what's the next thing? So I, I call this as a McDonald's drive through version, right? So, Um, my mind space is it's got to come from a position of what does agile mean for me in this organization what does agile mean for this organization because this organization's business problems are different to the other organization's business problems but that's not what agile is about agile is about culture agile is about the business field And that's what's been missing. Because you're coming into agile transformations from a framework-led approach, from a methodology-led perspective, we are missing the secret sauce. And the secret sauce is people. The secret sauce is culture. So where, where I'm coming from is we've got to start looking at agile, not because we've got to go do agile, but we need to be agile. And we've got to go from that big A to a small A, you know, it's towards agility. And, um, you know, one of my team members says this a lot. She goes, agile needs to be like air, right? You don't even know you're breathing air. It's just there, right? That That's where we want agile to be.
0: All right. So can I, can I fight back a little bit? Sure. absolutely. see what happens. So um, I live in Oklahoma and, and, a lot of people enjoy themselves the drive-through. They they get a lot of their food through that window. Um, one of the reasons that's so popular is because it's fairly cheap. I mean, compared to you know going out, whatever, cheap in terms of money, cheap in terms of time. It's definitely bad for your health and it's leading to a giant obesity crisis, but um, people see the short win and, and that's a benefit. I get a quick hit. You know, maybe they, they eat enough of that food that they still have it kind of in their body, causing them to crave it a little bit more. Um, it's fast and it's cheap. It's, it's, it's an easy one. So for all the companies that are struggling, just trying to survive and just trying to beat the guy next to them, if I say, well, you know, here's this framework, it's going to make you faster, whatever, um, but you really should change your culture first. Isn't it kind of a no brainer that they would go initially at least? for the, the the candy on the table instead of the
1: cauliflower well that, that's a that's a great perspective right so let me reply back to that a different bit right um, you, you've got three customers is is everyone's blood sugar the same are they all lactose intolerant and um, are they are they you um, know are they celiac so the point I'm making is, there is candy on the table but is that suitable for you this is there a candy that's better suited for you which is not going to cause you to die in six or ten months um to take a step back you know everything that looks nice and flashy is is not what it seems you know agile has agile has been around for much longer than what is known in the media agile has been around since the days of you know toyota and i'll give you an example which a lot of people don't know but toyota was actually toyoda and toyoda was changed to toyota because in the writing in the in the japanese script it required one additional stroke right so if if you if you think of that simple example and you go back to your earlier question about reducing waste and you know changing changing people's perceptions we've got to take a step back and really internalize agile and that's where I'm coming from So yes, organizations which are in pain can start doing some quick wins using some agile practices, but they have to start thinking about who they need to be. They've got to start thinking about who they need to be in the future. And they've got to really move from a competitive mindset to a creative mindset. Because in today's day and world, with a significant amount of digital disruption what i call the uberization of the marketplace everything's commoditized so your customer has there's a very low cost for him to transfer over and therefore you have a significant customer churn so if everyone's going to go and do the same thing if everyone's going to go and have an app if everyone's going to go and have an online portal what's different what's your core competency what's your market differentiator What's your unique selling point? If you don't think about it, you will not last long enough. And that's the, that's the perspective I want everyone to come from. Agile will help you get wherever you want to get to, right? As a small startup organization, if you need to survive, absolutely, Agile will help you survive. But is that all you want to do? Do you not want to thrive? Do you not want to create a new market? Do you not want to come to a space where there is no competition? I mean, there's a lot of um, literature in what's what's now known as blue ocean strategy. You know, so you have conventional strategy where you're competing in existing market, and it's a bit like um, it's like uh, you know fish in the water. You know, everyone bites everyone. There's blood in the water. It's a it's a red ocean. In a blue ocean, you've created a new product and a new service that doesn't exist before. You know. And you've got customers who will never leave you. For example, the iPhone, right? Now, that's a classic example of an organization that changed. And because they had that change in the internal culture, they were able to come up with some great products and services. Same thing with the work that um, Satya Nadella has done with Microsoft. The culture has changed. And the intrinsic change in culture is leading to an extrinsic change Um, change in products and services that's now you know reshaping the way that customers see the company that's the stuff i'm talking about dave so how do you go about creating the change
0: or even the desire to change (laughs) slowly I mean is there is there a specific hook in or a starting place because let's say that I'm I'm a company I own a company I'm listening to this interview I'm thinking you know what I kind of agree with that because we tried a couple times where we just did the process and it didn't work maybe I need to get everybody kind of change their mindset where do they start I mean let's assuming that they've done the capability mapping and stuff like that but where does the actual transformation work begin
1: that's that's the that's the kind of thinking which almost forced me to come up with the transformation playbook because I couldn't find anything in the market everything I found was talking of you know very much a framework very much a case study very much a metric very much um, you know a kPI based conversation so I, I was almost at the end of my death and I said is there a way out and that's when I actually came up in you know, put together what I believe is the transformation playbook to lead enterprise agile transformations, you know? And and it's reframing agile and it's coming up with thinking questions. So if you see the if you look at the transformation playbook on SlideShare, it's it's really a, a competency based conversation that you can have in an organization from a startup to an enterprise organization building any product from an app to an enterprise system because it's not about the systems. It's about the people. And it's looking at answering questions that empower and enable change agents in these organizations.
0: So in in this model, they don't necessarily have to be guided by a coach. Is that fair to say?
1: Well, you don't have to be guided by a coach, but it would be useful to probably have a conversation with me because it's more... um, it's it's more on the application of it and okay. it's more okay. understanding how it could be applied it's a bit like a tool you know you have a hammer everything looks like a nail
0: how do you convey the difference between your organization your your transformation approach and the transformation approach of any one of the companies you know around the world that is coming in as a tra- agile transformation
1: consulting company how is your your kind of angle on this different The difference between this approach and other conventional transformation approaches is that this approach is an engagement-based approach. This approach is a conversation-led approach. What does that mean in perspective? That means that when we start, we don't know what the strategy is. We don't know what the transformation looks like. It's only when you engage with the transformation does that transformation emerge. These are not my words. These are words of my supervisor, Steven Segal, who I'm doing my MBA with. Okay. working on this piece of research. So there is a new way of thinking that's emerging, and that is known as process-based transformation. So this is a new way of management thinking that's emerging in, um, in literature. And the process-based view is that You don't start off on transformation saying we are going to do transformation. This is what it looks like. This is the framework. Let's start. You start the transformation by really engaging with the change agents and creating the environment for them to create the future. You start by working with the people, by engaging with the people. And then as you go on the journey, the the strategy emerges, the transformation emerges. So the last three and a half years that I've been in my role, every time I've been asked to give a strategy, every time I've been asked to come up with a plan for the future, we've struggled. Because that's the way life is. You can't go yeah. through life in foresight. I mean, you don't have to go back too far, but you know, Steve Jobs is addressed first classic, you know, you can always connect the dots in hindsight. You can't do that in foresight. And, and you're talking the, about the,
0: just the Stanford. Commencement address, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely, it's Stanford commencement address, right? So, um, the 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 thing I'm talking about in the transformation playbook is the approach to apply the transformation playbook, which needs you know each individual to really think and and think every single minute, you know, every single day of uh, of their journey and go be be reflective in practice, in real time. You know, are we doing the right thing? If not, how do we change? What, what's the new thing we need to try out?
0: Okay. And so if people are interested in finding, in taking a look at the Transformation Playbook, um, I'm going to link to the slide share, and they can download the file as well. Is that correct? Absolutely. Okay. And do you have any events coming up? If people want to come and see you talk about this or come and introduce themselves to you, um, what have you got kind of in the near future?
1: So it's a, it's an exciting year. We've got a, a couple of events coming up. So I'm presenting with um, my team at an event called the Hindsight Forum here in, um, in Australia.
0: Okay, so I'm going to make sure to include links to this stuff that you've got coming up. Um, what if they want to get in touch with you? What's the best way for people to reach you?
1: I think LinkedIn would be the best way to reach out to me, Dave. Okay. You have Twitter or anything like that where they can follow you? yeah I do so my Twitter handles um, Twitter and my phone name Perikshirthasru
0: okay alright so I'm going to include links to all this um, thank you very much for taking the time out for this conversation this was great stuff
1: thank you Dave it was awesome talking to you you too